Welcome to Pardon the Intermission, a podcast that takes a look at movies, TV, and all things entertainment from the past, the present, and the future. Remember to subscribe and like the podcast and give a review. This helps out the podcast and is greatly appreciated. Now on to the show. Yes, hey everyone, welcome to Pardon the Intermission. I am Eric. And I am Jason. (laughs) And uh, we're doing a little bit of a different show today. This is the first time we're actually doing the show apart. We're not, uh, I'm actually in studio, but Jason is not uh, today, so uh, it's going to be kind of interesting. It will. I'm currently sitting on the comfy confines of my long-range sofa. I'm wearing my sandals. I have my Santa Cruz shirt on. I have my laptop computer in front of me. And this is the weirdest thing I've ever done on a podcast, Eric. <laughs> that's, hey, that's <laughs> awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, for me, I'm, I'm still in the, uh, the the comfortability and the familiarity of our uh, studio here. So so I'm having a good... Yes. Now, now, the reason for this is because obvious... Well, not obviously, but the reason for this is because I would was feeling a little bit under the weather and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, just for the for everybody listening out there and, and you're planning a trip pretty soon so I didn't want yep. to expose you or the chance of exposing you to something so I I uh, so yes I'm 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 kind of giving you a uh, not really the day off right we're not taking the day off but nope, uh, not but, at all. but I'm I, giving you more I, of a relaxing time you can just relax in the in the comfort of your own home Right. And I appreciate that because uh, my family is planning a big holiday trip down to uh, Mickey and Minnie's resort down at Disneyland yep. uh, next week. And so if you were to get me sick, Eric, I would not be able to go down there and write down some notes and jot down stuff about Disneyland that I see and that I can subsequently share on the next edition of Pardon the Intermission. So you don't want to spoil oh, yeah. that for me, man. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. We we got to have a yeah. uh, uh, we got to have an update as to what what's the. The uh, uh, what's the deal with Disney down there? You know, what's the take? What's the hot take? Oh, you'll get the hot take. I'm going to be jotting down a lot of stuff on my little notepad on my phone, and I'll even be uh, recording little tidbits of stuff that I see when I'm waiting in lines for attractions. And like, if I see, you know, corn dog wrappers on the ground that haven't been picked <laughs> up, I'll record that as well. So yeah, I'll, I'll be like, we'll be a pardon, pardon the intermission on site at Disneyland, so to speak. Oh, that's awesome, man! That's awesome. Yeah, we definitely, I, I definitely don't want to affect your uh, affect you there, man. We we need the content for the show, so absolutely. So it's thank gonna, it's, you for considering my health. Oh yeah, for sure, man. It's gonna be interesting to see uh, um, to see how it is because I hear that it actually I hear it's pretty packed. You know, from a lot of these uh, sources I listen to, I hear it's pretty yeah. packed in the park. So it's gonna be interesting when you get down there to see what what is the real deal down there. You know. Yeah, in addition to that, we're also going to be dealing with some wet weather probably. I just checked the extended forecast Uh-oh. and it's yeah, we're we're actually leaving tomorrow on Saturday as of the recording of this show which is Friday. And uh we're supposed to be heading into some rain tomorrow, partially rainy and cloudy on Sunday, but then it's going to be mostly cloudy but really cold Monday, Tuesday before we come back on Wednesday. So yeah, the the elements will be as interesting as our experience at the park. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, so to kind of kick it off here, we yeah. we haven't talked yet about uh, SAG now no. SAG AFTRA. Now, um, since since last we talked, the strike was still going on, and then now all of a sudden we come back, and guess what? It's over with, right? Lo and behold, and I, if you recall, Eric, I, on a previous edition of Pardon the Intermission, I kind of looked into the crystal ball and I predicted mm. that this, this, this was probably going to end uh, within a three to four week time span. And although I was skeptical 
upon reading news about initial stories that came out saying that they were close to an agreement, I kept open the possibility that, well, maybe this was just somebody blowing smoke up somebody else's stack. But lo and behold, I also made that prediction saying, oh, it could end in about three to four weeks after we hear about this and talk about this. And lo and behold, it did. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And this was a long, lengthy uh, holdout. I think it was, what, 120 some odd days? I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was 140 something, right? Oh, you know what it could have been? It could have been 140. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I, I don't know offhand. I don't have the, I was looking here at the news story here, but I don't, I don't, it doesn't say, I don't have it in front of me. But yeah, I think it was 100 and something when last time we talked, it was like 145 or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it, it, it was, was it was pretty long, but, but I got to say, man, I've got to, next time uh, uh, you give a prediction, I got to put some money on it because that was pretty good. <laughs> that was a good what call, man. I'm that good. What can I say? Yeah. Well, you know, we have a, a story here from CBS News, and uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was wondering myself, and I had to look this story up because I was like, okay, the strike's over. What did they get, right? It's, it was funny because it, it ended, and it's like we didn't even hear. I didn't really hear what the heck they got, you know, uh, after all that. So, so yeah, I had to look it up. Um, so there's a story here from CBS News, and, it's, and it says six mm-hmm. things that the actors got. Um mm-hmm. And uh, and we'll kind of go through them real quick and just and get our get our takes on them here. Sure. Um, number one, the uh, the actors I guess got uh, compensation increases, minimum compensation mm-hmm. increases, which is good. So performers mm-hmm. it says will earn se- a seven percent wage increase effective immediately. Uh, sure. So it's kind of okay. like a pay hike, right? That's uh, what it is. That's yep. pretty. That's pretty good. It says well, and that's pretty good. Initially, they're going to get uh, that initial pay hike will be followed. So initially, they get seven percent immediately. Mm-hmm. And then it will be followed by four uh, percent in July of 2024, mm-hmm. and a three point yep. five in July mm-hmm. of 2025. That's yep. pretty dang good, man. That's more than what I get at my job. <laughs> Hell of a lot more than what I get at my job. Too. Yeah, yeah. So that that's not too bad. Also, the background actors and the stand-ins, photo doubles, will they'll get eleven percent wage increase, and then they get the four. Uh, the same four percent and three point five in twenty four and twenty five also, so they're they're getting a little bit more. But I'm sure those background actors uh, probably don't get much anyway. You know. Yeah, and I would also imagine that maybe extras. I mean, do extras factor into this uh, wage increase as well? Well, uh, well, that would be background. Would that be considered background actors stand-ins? Well, I. I would probably think extras would fall in the line of stand-ins more than background actors. Mm. Cause, uh, well, because background actors are people like on the popular sitcom shows like Friends and Cheers that would sit at tables and have like secret discussions. So they're not, yeah. they don't actually have lines per se that they're quoting. Or they may have a line or two just like, you know, oh, can I get a coffee or, you know, something like that, right? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. There yeah. you go. So I, uh, yeah, it would have been, it would have been kind of neat to know if extras factored into this, but I mean, extras are kind of considered for all due respect, bottom of the barrel in the Hollywood chain anyway. So now, stand, <laughs> now stand-ins are, that's not kind of what stand-ins are those, is that like a body double? What is the definition of a stand-in? Do you know? That's exactly what a stand, well, a okay. stand-in could either be a body double or think of it like this, Eric, it could also be, um, the film version of an understudy. Oh, okay. You know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, and it says, and photo doubles. I don't know what photo doubles means. <laughs> what uh, 
I, I would think maybe it's uh, getting somebody who looks almost exactly like uh, someone like a Patrick Stewart, and then they have them just for press purposes or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm well, spitballing and guessing. So Yeah, I know. We, we got to look these terms up because like, uh, yeah. it seems like they, stand-ins and photo doubles would almost be the same. Like, you know, it's kind of when you get that over the shoulder shot a lot of times and let's say the the main actor isn't there but the person yeah. who looks like him you're getting the behind you know behind shot where you see like just their head or their shoulder and you right. know, you're getting that over the shoulder shot of the other actor you know so that right. may that would be to me would be like a, a stand in i don't know if that would consider a photo double but yeah so yeah for sure so anyway that's one yep. good thing that they're getting right so that's good uh yep. second thing is the streaming bonuses now, it says here, the new contract calls for actors to earn a success payment along with their uh, uh, usual residual payments. So mm-hmm. uh, if they work on streaming projects that attract a significant amount of viewers. But here is the one. Um, so this is kind of interesting. And I think, let's see, do they show us this 75%? Okay, so I think this is the one where they have to get – there's – there's this weird. Uh, there's another article we have, and uh, we we can pull it up later and talk about it. But there's this yeah. weird deal. I think that this ties into it, where it's it's like they have to. The show has to get like twenty percent of the view. So if like you're a streaming service, Netflix, you have to get like twenty percent um, mm-hmm. streaming views on a certain show based on the calculation of your subscribers. And then that's when the actors would actually get paid. So it has to be like a show that would be in like, you know, getting 20% uh, more or something. Yeah, there's some calculation to it. And I I can pull up that other story in a little bit and talk about. So this is this is one that I don't I don't know. I'm not too sure if this is really going to affect a lot of them because, you know, I don't see a lot of these streaming shows as having huge numbers, to be honest. Yeah, especially a lot of, I mean, when you also factor in, Eric, that, uh, you know, uh, companies like Netflix and Hulu have cut a lot of their original programming uh, because of uh, over-budgeting on production costs and then because of the impending strike that they just finished, uh, that they finally came to terms on. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of original content has been cut. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting how all of that would would be affected by, uh, these so-called um, streaming bonuses. Something yeah. else here too that kind of reached out and grabbed me when I'm looking at this is it says that the success metric uh, yeah. marks is calculated by dividing the domestic views by the total number of domestic subscribers. If the result is at least 0.2, a bonus is paid. So that kind of that's what I was talking its- about. Yeah, you found it. Oh, that's yeah. So yeah, the success then, metric is calculated by dividing the. You said the, the domestic views. By yes. the total number of domestic subscribers. Yeah. So they, isn't now, that crazy? Come on. Are you kidding it me? Is, it, it's asinine, actually, if you think about it. Because I remember on this show, we discussed a couple weeks back uh, uh, a story that we posted that we found where the CEO of, I think it was Netflix, um, actually admitted that uh, the company uh, or that the rating systems had been rigged. Or it was mm. for IMDb. I'm sorry. It was for IMDb. And IMDb, uh, they admitted that IMDb had paid certain people to rate movies a lot higher than what they were originally were supposed to be. And so they came out and admitted, yeah, we've we've essentially rigged the the review. We've rigged the rating system. And so it's like if you have a rigged rating system, how is that going to affect this so-called success metric? How will domestic views be affected by that rigged system if it is, in fact, still rigged? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, good point. I don't I know. Mean, like, 
will that result then? So if it's a rigged system and no one knows about it, but I'm sure they do, if you get higher ratings and higher views on a rigged system, then that bonus being paid essentially would kind of be an unfair bonus increase because of the rigged system. Well, but I mean, well, I think this kind of, I was going to say, I think this kind of leads into what you're saying here. Number three on this list mm -hmm. is disclosure of viewership stats. Yeah. So they're saying on a high budget on a high budget streaming production, streaming producers will be required. See, this is funny though. Yeah. High budget streaming productions. So does that mean that just low budget, you're just out of luck? But anyway, streaming Good producers question. will be required to disclose the total number of hours the content was streamed in both the U.S. and Canada and abroad mm -hmm. for each quarter. So, so I guess that's supposed to kind of be the more transparency uh, uh, part of it, right? Uh, it sounds like it, but yeah. yet at the same time, it still sounds very ambiguous because. It, well, yeah, it says here that it's intended to help actors determine if they're being fairly compensated relative mm -hmm. to a show's distribution and popularity. But like you're saying, yeah, I mean, it, you know, are they going to be true with their numbers? Can they skew the numbers? Right, exactly. And but I would think, though, that Eric, with that being said, I would think that they would have if that is true. They would have to go in then and revamp the rating system altogether to make it fair, to make it equitable, and to make it, um, and then to make it uh, just to make it partial as well. Because with these increased bonuses relying on that rating system, you can't have a rigged system. So they're going to have to go in and streamline it or find a way to make it honest. You know? Yeah. Well, and I don't even know if they can. It's just like even with the Nielsen rating, uh, you know, rating system. I mean, I that was something, but it still wasn't a hundred percent, you know, fail proof, mm -hmm. right? I mean, right. So I don't know. I mean, and in the beginning of it, it was it was just all about viewers would would fill out a questionnaire as to what they watched. So did they really watch yep. it? You never knew, you know. Right, exactly. They just yeah. uh, they circled a couple of bubbles next to some questions, and they said, yeah, this was good, yeah, this was good, yeah, this was good, but yeah, so, they never saw the damn thing. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think this one's going to have to be, you know, kind of really, I don't know, they're, they're probably going to have to figure out, I mean, it sounds mm -hmm. all good in the writing, but they're going to have to figure out an, an honest way to do it as they as they go forward here, I'm sure, you know. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Um, of course, uh, you know, like like everything else, there'll probably be a government agency set up so they can just record stats <laughs> to try to hey. get fair stats. Isn't that what the FCC is for? Well, yeah, it's supposed to be, but, you know, yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, Allegedly. Number four here, it says uh, limits on artificial intelligence. Now, this one was a big one that they really mm -hmm. wanted. I think this was kind of the sticking point originally, right? Like, they were coming to they, – mm -hmm. they kept getting close to a deal, and then uh, – yep. but the AI uh, question mm -hmm. was the one that they kept having problems uh, between the two sides. Yeah, and this this was a very, very uh, contentious issue for them on both sides because, I mean, let's face it, we live in a day and age where artificial intelligence, it is here. Yeah, It's not on our doorstep. It's not 10 years away. It's here now, and it's being implemented not just in Hollywood, but it's being implemented in the music industry. It's being implemented in regular, just regular job industries that we have, whether you're in you know, food service or business industries of other types, AI is now our reality. And I don't blame the actors at all one bit, Eric, for being very, very, very chappy with this issue, because if the Hollywood studios know what the outstanding job that they do in digital effects nowadays, they can make a human being out of a 3D character look as real as you and I. Oh, yeah, and for sure, the, yeah. And, yeah, and if the studios can do that, while at the same time not have to pay an actor to be in their show but to create an actor to be in their show that's going to help them save money 
And it makes all the sense in the world for them to do that. But at the same point, you're taken away from the artistic angle of it and you're taken away from actors' livelihoods. And so that, yeah, was a major issue of contentious debate for them. Yeah. So they, so basically what they're, what they, what they got was, uh, Mm -hmm. they, uh, film TV, film and TV producers, excuse me, must obtain consent from actors to create and use their digital replicas as well as specify how they will, intend to use those digital likenesses and then actors are entitled to compensation at their usual rate for the number of days they would otherwise have been paid for to do work being performed by a digital replica so essentially if you yep. you know there's they're, they're trying to make it where you can't use a digital replica because you know if you make a digital replica you've got to pay for all of you know for whoever creates that digital replica in the yep, first place and then on top of that you got to pay the actor of mm-hmm. that of that you know that that likeness you created and and for however you know basically as if they were there doing the work anyway so you know yeah. the, the the problem i see that's going to happen with this eventually i think there was a movie with uh uh, uh i i can't remember the name of it with uh, uh robin uh right was it robin Wright Penn? is that her name where <laughs> yeah. where she basically you know signed over her likeness and they just kept making movies with her ai likeness you know, yeah. and even though she was growing older, I mean, she, they kept making movies and she still looked, you know, young and all that stuff. I, I think that's what's going to happen. You know, you're going to have a lot of actors that probably, even actors that are maybe not necessarily higher up, you know, like a Brad Pitt, but but yeah. kind of in the middle middle of the um, a pool there as far as, you know, what they're getting paid. And they'll probably sell their likeness, you know, just like probably sell it like in, in a uh, some contract, you know, where it's like you can use it whenever you want, however you want, you know, type of deal. Um, for yeah. like a one lump sum, kind of like how they do with the, the music business, like how uh, what was her name, Katy Perry, recently just sold, sold her whole catalog to yep. I can't I can't remember which one it was, uh, which record company, but kind of like that, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, I also think about um, the Star Wars movie uh, Rogue One, which is a fantastic standalone movie. Mm, yeah, but you recall in that film, um, in order to get the actor of Moff Tarkin in the film who was portrayed by Peter Cushing in Star Wars Episode Four, who passed away several years ago, um, the studio had to get the request and the permission from Alec, uh, from uh, Peter Cushing's family mm. to just digitally create his face and then to mold it onto a special effect mask of another actor that resembled him physically. Yeah, And so that's a good example of, of AI right there, where they had to contact Peter Cushing's estate and say, hey, can we use your dead son slash husband slash uncle grandfather's face on this film? And they had to mm. pay them an X amount of dollars in order to get their permission well, to do that. Same thing with uh, uh, Ghostbusters recently, right? Um, mm-hmm. What was it? Afterlife? Is that the name of that one? Yeah, Ghostbusters Afterlife. They yeah. created a digital image of uh, Harold Ramis' exactly. character, Egon Spangler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, th- th- this is kind of an this is kind of an interesting area, you know. And I don't know, man. I'm I'm kind of like old school. I I don't know if I like. You know, I, I don't need to see the actual actor being in the part. You know what I mean? I mean, with, with Ghostbusters, it worked mm-hmm. fine. They did a great job, yeah. and, and I think they, they really um, um, handled that character well. But, you know, going back to Rogue, Rogue One, I don't know if I needed to see that character. You know, I could have just seen a behind-the-shot, maybe a voice. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Some, some I'm kind of worried sometimes that, you know, it's kind of like 
Uh, we talk about with Disney, it's like the Marvels now. Like they have like all these, you know, billions of Marvels movies. <laughs> I don't know, 30 some movies. And yep. it's just like at some point, or I shouldn't say Marvel, I should say, uh, you know, yeah, the Marvel universe. And at some point you're just, it's like, okay, do we need to constantly see these same, you know, I don't know. Do they need to like stretch these characters out forever? So I, I sometimes I'm wondering if, if they're, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of old school like that. I, I don't know if I need to see it digitally. It's kind of, in a way, it's, I'm still not used to it. It's kind of creepy, you know? Yeah, I, you know, I kind of feel similar to you in that I think seeing a digital actor, it's almost it's almost like it's like you're ripping off somebody from from an, an extent there. Yeah, uh, it to me it feels almost like a betrayal in a way because yet it's not the genuine actor or the real actor that you want to see, but at the same time I understand why they feel compelled to do it. But yeah, I'm kind of like you, Eric, where I just feel really indifferent towards seeing that type of that type of recreation on the screen and uh it's to me it, it takes away from the from the art form of acting a little bit but yet it also adds to just the amazement that is the modern day world of digital effects and film and tv and just the stuff that they can do with 3d technology ai technology and computers nowadays it's just i mean it's, yeah it blows it's, the mind away yeah it's, it's amazing for sure but you know, mm-hmm. I was just thinking when we were just talking about it. Another one that that I was thinking about is uh, uh, Mandalorian and that season where yep. they brought in Luke at the very last. You know, a young there Luke you Skywalker. I don't know, man. I just you know, as, as people were really geeked about it, like, oh my gosh, it's Luke. And even though I think he played, the, he actually played. He didn't do some of the, of course, choreography, but I think he he was a stand-in, wasn't he? Uh, Mark Hamill oh. for himself there. And some of the yeah, and, and some of that, and the thing the thing is, is that you know, as cool as that is, you know, I I don't know, man. I just kind of felt I didn't feel as excited as everybody else. You know, it's like, oh wow, Mark. You know, it's a young Luke Skywalker. I'm like, uh, I don't know, kind of like you, we just talked about. It just kind of feels weird and creepy. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, you know? right. So I mean, it, it was cool. It, it it worked in the story, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so that that's kind of um, yeah. Uh, it, the, the, I know that this is kind of a different, you know, the limits on artificial intelligence is kind of talking more so not necessarily about dead actors um, or, or actors that are older, yeah. I guess. But, you know, they're talking about more yeah. so just people using their likeness for whatever. Like, in other words, if they were to take uh, Iron Man, you know, modern mm-hmm. modern day Iron Man and stick him in, you know, the Marvels, you know, then, yeah, they'd have to pay uh, what's yep. his face to, to use his his likeness. Um, yep. Robert Downey Jr. You know, so yeah. Anyway, so that that's that's good, I guess. It, this is going to be an ongoing thing, though. I think because they're going to find loopholes. I think throughout this, you know, there's going to be places that that I'm sure mm-hmm. studios are going to find loopholes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay. Moving on to number five here. Um, this is an interesting one. Minimum number of yeah. background actors. Mm-hmm. So okay. So wait. The let me see. Let me read this and see if I understand this. So the new yeah. labor contract requ- requires that an increased number of background actors be hired on union terms on the West Coast to equal the minimum number in New York. <laughs> what? Uh, okay. Yeah. That under make- under the new. Oh, so go ahead and read the rest. Yeah, it says here under the new agreement on TV shows in West Coast cities, twenty five background actors up from twenty two will be covered by the contract. And then for feature films, the West Coast minimum jumps from fifty-seven to eighty-five. So what the what I don't I don't even know what these rules like. You know, I'm I'm sure that these rules are in place for yeah. some reason. I don't even know what they mean though. You know, I, I guess well, is is it, is that mean actors that are covered by a union contract? And and like in other words, if they do, if they cover 
22 mm-hmm. actors or 25 actors now, then, mm-hmm. you know, 26 through 38, they don't have to cover with union rules. Is that what it is? Uh, that's how I'm perceiving it. Uh, I guess it's how it sounds like, or maybe they're only allowed to hire just 25 so many actors and that's it. Yeah. And, and, then, and then they'll have to, and then they'll have to pay them. And then they do these big scenes where it's like these big stadiums they have to fill. And so they have to, you know how like they do a lot of recreations of the same fans, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so yeah. they're, they're going to have to pay them for the AI portion of that too. Cause <laughs> that, that's true. Dude heard you hit the nail. Right oh on the my end, gosh, man. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. That's an interesting, you know, it's funny. There's so many of these rules that are just, I mm-hmm. mean that, you know, we wouldn't even think they'd be rules, right? Like, okay. So it's, yep. 25 and on the east coast and something on the west coast and you know it's like what the heck's going on and also something else to consider too is that a lot of movies and tv shows now well more movies and tv shows but a lot of movies now are shot in uh the state of georgia they're shot in vancouver british columbia uh and they're uh they're shot also in um uh florida as well so it's just like montreal yeah, Montreal, exactly. So, you, I mean, uh, I don't know if any of this covers, you know, lo- shootings and locations that I just, of those dates and locations well, that I just mentioned, but. Even in, in uh, England, too, right? Like, I, I think that there's a lot of, uh, when the strike was going on, there were a lot of productions that were able to continue because they were in different countries. They were. And they, they, they were, were different, yeah, yeah, under different rules, yeah. Yeah, different rules. They didn't have to worry about labor contracts, and they didn't have to worry about unions in those foreign countries. Yeah. So now they had to adhere to those foreign countries' policies in regards to how long you could shoot for how many you know hours a day. But beyond that, they didn't have any of those basic limitations that you know this article is talking about here. Yeah. Very, very, uh, very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Very interesting. Okay, let's get to number six here. Number six: relocation yep. bonuses. This is. <laughs> Why don't you take this one? This is a this is kind of a uh, this is a crazy one, but go ahead. Golly! So performers in series who have to relocate for work will be entitled to a maximum relocation benefit of up to five thousand dollars a month for six months, which equates to about a two hundred percent increase on the previous amount. That is bananas. My only question is, what was the previous amount? Well, it's two hundred percent less than five thousand. Okay, so, I don't know. I, okay, I'd so, have yeah. to do the math. <laughs> Right, we'd have to do the math. So yeah, two hundred percent increase. So yeah, just subtract what the two hundred percent from the five thousand. Well, yeah, yeah, you'd have to do two hundred percent from from the five thousand. So it was probably, right. I mean, two hundred percent. I mean, what's a hundred percent of five thousand? Right, and then also something else here too. It says performers who have to relocate for work. Does that mean that if they have to relocate for work, is that uh, what timeline is that? Meaning that if they have like if they have to go from say California to New York to shoot a series, but they only have to shoot a week's worth of episode, like a week's worth of scenes on their particular episode, and then they come back to California, the, you know, is there like a timeline for that? Meaning mm. that do they do they have to be relocated for X amount of time in order to fall under these criteria here? Yeah, yeah, that's interesting because it says uh, five thousand a month for six months. So I guess yep. they could prorate it. I mean, I, I guess you know, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, to answer your question, I have no idea. Uh, oh yeah, if, if they know. could do if they could do a week if if this falls under that category, but I guess they could prorate it. You know, um, so it could they could take the five thousand a month. Now it says mm-hmm. up to five thousand a month, so that would be whatever's negotiated by the uh, you know by the studio and the actor. Sure. So so yeah. I guess you know the maximum would be five thousand. Okay. Um. 
Which is interesting. I don't know. That it'd be interesting to find out how, how this one came about because is it that maybe other actors are getting paid more and they're well, trying yeah, they're trying to make it equal or is it, you know, or is it uh, that they weren't getting paid that much for relocation? I don't know. Well, I think this I think this pertains more to just the average everyday actors who are not consistently working in the industry because I mean, one thing we have to keep in mind too is that the big stars in the industry, the George Clooney's, the Brad Pitt's, the Chris Evans, so on and so forth, they're, they make up, what, less than 5% of just the average working force in Hollywood, at least as far as performers are concerned. Because mm-hmm. we have to keep in mind that a lot of these actors that are the background actors and that are photo doubles and stuff like that, when they're not shooting scenes, they're working night shifts in restaurants. They're working as bartenders. They're working as overnight janitors. So they're not consistently employed, and nor mm. are they getting millions of dollars like a lot of the big names. True, stars yeah. Do. Not getting compensated. So I, I, yeah. Exactly. So compensation for the major star actors is a lot different than what it is for just the individuals that I mentioned. So, but uh, still. But but still, also, I mean, this is this is talking about a maximum relocation benefit of up to five thousand. So a maximum. So in other words, if if you're just a bit actor, you they could still say, hey, we'll give you two fifty, right? Uh, now, a month, and though, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Now, even though the big star actors would still fall under these criteria because they are part of SAG-AFTRA, you're right though. This is meant to, I, from what it sounds like to me, Eric. Unless I'm reading between the lines here too uh, too intently, it sounds to me like this is going to help benefit just the average Tom, Dick, and Harry mm. more than it will benefit the George Clooney and the Brad Pitts because they're already making millions and millions of dollars anyway. And even though they would be entitled to all of these same uh, benefits that every other actor would be entitled to they're not going to necessarily need it as much as the average everyday working actor will need it. Now, what does that mean by will be entitled to a maximum relocation Mm -hmm. benefit? Now, that wording right there, right, entitled. Mm -hmm. So does that mean that they're going to get, but it says of up to five. I mean, the the wording is so vague, really. It is. Because it's it's not saying that, that, yeah, it's not saying that they they will have to pay a max, you know, they'll have to pay a relocation benefit of 5,000 a month for six months. Mm -hmm. Up to six months, it, but no, it doesn't say that. It says we'll be entitled yep. to a maximum relocation. Yep. So it's kind of it's, it's very uh, <laughs> very loopholeish, I think. Well, and it, I mean, it kind of makes sense with the with the ambiguity here a little bit because I mean, all of these were just initial terms that came down after the agreement. So I would imagine Eric that at this stage of the game, attorneys for both parties now are sitting back and they're ironing out the the finer details. So they were just able to release the basic ABCs and one, two, threes of what they agreed to. But like you're just getting here to, they're probably with attorneys on both sides. They're now ironing out. Okay. Here's how much the maximum relocation benefit will be. How much will be tax deferred? If at all, here's who it will apply to more. So I'm sure they're working on all the fine points and they're using wide strokes with a big brush here to mm. kind of paint over everything. But um, yeah, based on all of the the vagueness on, on this article that we're looking at here, this sounds like it's just kind of the the surface of what we're uncovering here, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. Like you're saying, we don't know all the details, all yeah, the details exactly. on this. Um, yeah. I don't know. Okay, so that that was number six. So, uh, what what do you yeah. think overall? What what's your takeaway from this? What any any thoughts you had as far as do you think it was worth it? Not worth it? Um, my thought was I think in the long run it was worth it for SAG-AFTRA because yeah. bottom line at the end of the day they got what they wanted. 
Um, the, and the industry, while it was crippled there for a little bit, it sounds like now that this has been at least on the surface ratified, now they can get the ball rolling on getting productions going again. And uh, hopefully now we can start to see some semblance of normalcy return to Hollywood. But you know, by and large, um, I knew the studios eventually were going to cave in to what the union wanted, which it sounds like they did. So this is a complete win-win for SAG after here and for the studios remains to be seen. Yeah. I, I think uh, my final thoughts on it here, I think um, I, I wish I had the article. I don't have the article in front of me, but there's an article where they were talking to Zaslav. Zaslav. Yeah. Is his name? Zaslav. Oh, anyway, yeah, David Zaslav. Yeah, yeah. And, and he was, this was in Variety, and it was talking about the, kind of the new Hollywood era. And, uh, you know, they were kind of making a point through the article. Essentially, it was uh, that, um, you know, with with that the studios at this point, because of what happened with COVID and because basically the studios were able to kind of like, you know, trim a lot of a lot of uh, the fat, as it were, in the studio system, um, they were able to get rid of a lot of shows that weren't doing weren't producing that, um, you know, they're actually maybe, I mean, the actors may have gotten what they wanted, but that there's going to be fewer, essentially what it was saying is there's going to be fewer jobs uh, yeah. for these actors, really. So even though they're going to get paid more, there's going to be less people that are getting paid, essentially. Yep. Um, so I don't know. I mean, you know, they probably, the actors probably did need it, but I think it's just really bad. I, th I think the timing is just really bad because of, you know, we've talked about many times on this on this podcast before as far as, you know, streaming and how we thought it was so cool in the beginning. And now there's just a glut of there's too much of it almost right now. And yeah, they need. Yeah. And, and so even though they need so much content, I think you were also seeing I mean, these studios are not afraid to just ditch for whatever tax reasons or whatever their get benefit they're getting from it but just ditch these you know i mean the back bat girl was almost completely filmed and they just completely said see ya um mm -hmm. so they're not afraid to get rid of this stuff and so i i think that's i think they made a good point in that variety article that uh um uh, you know that you know there may be fewer jobs so i i think the industry is really gonna change overall um it's gonna be very interesting to see I think this in general, yes, I think it's good for good for the actors. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, like we talked about. I mean, there may be fewer jobs though in the future for a lot yeah. of these uh, a lot of these uh, people though to to enjoy these benefits. So it, it'll be interesting to see. Yep, most definitely, most definitely. Hey, um, real quick, we're we're uh, we're running up against it here, man. I went by that was a, I went by. Uh, it seemed like it went by quick, but we really dove into that. Right. Um, I wanted to talk about a story here about uh, just we'll just go over it real quick. You know, we're always we always got to have a Disney story. Seems like every every uh, podcast because <laughs> they just yes. can't keep themselves out of the news. Well, um, they may be the Disney company itself, the Walt Disney Company, may be in huge trouble again. With uh, with uh, investors, it sounds like now you know. Obviously, there's been a lot of shakeups at the company. Um, we know that Bob Iger has been in some big trouble. Every uh, we'll probably talk about it in the next uh, uh, podcast here about uh, like the Marvels just came out, and some of their yeah. movies aren't. I mean, their movies are basically not performing at all. They're they're tanking, right. and uh, the parks are a different story. I don't know. I hear different. You know, I hear some some people say yes. The 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 customer uh, base is down. And then I hear mm -hmm. no, it's as busy as ever. I don't know, but 
Yeah. Ultimately, what I'm getting at here, though, is that the company has not been performing like it should be. And mm-hmm. uh, it was, uh, what was his name? Peltz, the investor with the Trian, Trian Group, I think. He was the one that wa- right. that originally wanted to do the uh, takeover. He was trying to buy all the shares, do the takeover, and uh, push out Iger. They came to some kind of agreement mm-hmm. um, where I think you know Disney said, hey, we'll do better. I don't know if they're holding up their end, but now we have another player. Um, this is from Reuters. Um, yep. Value Act builds stake in Disney, adds drama mm-hmm. at home of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> this is uh, this is what the headline of the story. Basically, what the story is real quick is that, yeah, this, this company called Value Act has been buying up shares too. So there's another possible hostile takeover now in the boardroom at Disney. Um, wow. Is anybody surprised? <laughs> not at all. I, I Unfortunately, no. I am not at all surprised by this because unfortunately this has become the nature of the beast uh especially for disney it is about power it is about ego it is about control but most importantly eric it's about the number of zeros at the end of those paychecks man oh yeah yeah and for that's sure what this is about and it's interesting here because this article starts off by saying that uh obviously like you just mentioned value act capital built that large stake in disney and they see uh, room for media and entertainment giant stock price to roughly double. But uh, this company here, um, <clears throat> Value Act, which is San Francisco-based, I might add, mm. uh, is apparently well-known for working collaboratively with target companies. Uh, they've known the Disney team for more than a decade. Wow. And they have been in contact. Yeah, this gets interesting. They've been in contact with management as it built its stake over the last months, said the sources of this article, who were not permitted to discuss the firm's views publicly. And it looks like news of this first broke uh, by um, by a platform called 13D Monitor. So, Eric, this lets me know that uh, Disney and whoever else here was kind of portending future uh, doom here. If these negotiations were going on here for months, this lets me know that this is not something that just happened overnight. This yeah. is something that's been premeditated for quite some time here. Well, we've we've heard story. You know, we we've talked about stories on this show where, uh, you know, Iger, who's good friends with uh, Apple, and uh, you know Tim Cook mm-hmm. over there, and there and there's been yeah. a lot of rumors that Apple may you know may have the uh, capital to come in and and just take over Disney. Um, so yeah, this is, this is very, very interesting because, and it's kind of funny too. I wonder if Iger, you know, what you're talking about right there, as far as if they've been talking to the management team for a while, you know, I wonder if Iger is trying to, I wonder if there is an internal war between Iger and it was Nelson Peltz as Mm -hmm. the, uh, the head of that tree and fund, um, that was trying to do that, uh, uh, that hostile takeover a few months or maybe it was a year ago now. Um, and so maybe, yeah, so who knows, maybe they, uh, uh, maybe he's trying to stave it off with this uh, value at group, but you know the problem for me. I'm I'm looking at though as a consumer, and I'm just kind of worried. You know, I think if people get if there's too many people that get involved with Disney yep. about the money side of it and about mm-hmm. making money, um, you know, we're gonna lose the magic of the Disney company, the the magic that it was based on. You know, and and yeah. I think there's a very fine line here. So I'm I'm just kind of worried with all this stuff and with Disney not being able to kind of pull themselves up and out of this uh, uh, hole that they dug themselves into. I'm I'm kind of worried that we may end up losing Disney as we know it. You know. Well, we very well could. And also uh, something interesting, too, is that Disney is now starting to consider selling off 
a lot of its partnerships uh, in other companies that they scooped up earlier. For example, ESPN. Mm, yeah. Because uh, right here, this article also continues to say that Bob Iger is actively seeking partners in its ESPN division. Although they do plan to retain ownership of the sports brand, they're still looking overall for someone to buy a big chunk of the ESPN brand to take it off of Disney's shoulders so they can. And the reason why for that is abundantly clear because ESPN right now as an organization. It is floundering, Eric. It's mm. ratings are, it's ratings are down the crapper. It's the content on ESPN has been streamed. They have cut thousands of employees over the last two years. Wow. Uh, they've, They've cut thousands of support roles like graphic artists and producers and stuff like that. So as ESPN is floundering, Disney knows and Bob Iger knows he can't continue to go down with a sinking ship. Yeah. And so that's another reason for getting these companies involved in a little bidding war here is basically to find out who would also be willing to clean up the mess after they've left it on the table. And well, so, and, and not only I, ESPN. I mean, you've got, I mean, you've got the Star Wars brand, which is having problems. Yeah. You got the Marvel brand. You've got. They mentioned in here in this the Pixar brand. I mean, you you've got you've got problems. I mean, because none of these right now are really making money. Nope, and and then what what what's very interesting too is that they just came out. Was it last week or the week before? And there's an article. Mm-hmm. There's some articles talking about how they wanted to invest in what article. Uh, I think it was Iger was mentioning in in the the meetings there that he, that they want to invest. You know, so so much, so many billions back into the parks. And I'm like, wait, yeah. what, where are they getting? Where are they going to get this money? You know? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's uh, <clears throat> part of the ploy, part of the scam. Part. I, I don't know. It's. There are so many moving parts involved with this. It's hard to keep track of everything here, and it's hard to discern what's fact and what is fiction. Yeah. But obviously, like we like we've said here ad nauseum, what we do know for a fact is that uh, Disney right now they're in uncharted waters. And yep. ultimately, Eric, it'll be interesting to see if they end up rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic <laughs> or if they're able to avoid the iceberg, so to speak, well, and stay afloat here. <laughs> I don't know. I think at this point, uh, I think they've already hit the iceberg. And unfortunately, <laughs> and I, I, I think Iger's leading the band. So, you know. <laughs> right. And they're definitely not. They're definitely playing Mozart's Requiem. That's oh, for sure. yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, that's going to do it for us, man. That, that went by. What was an interesting show for us? That, was, that worked out pretty good, huh? It was, and I've been making faces at you the whole time. I know. That's what I said. I can't see your face. I can't see what you're (laughs) – I can't read your cues. Anyway, hey, uh, hey guys, check us out on our social media. We are, uh, of course, on X, formerly Twitter, at PTI underscore podcast, and – And on Facebook at Pardon the Intermission. All right. Hey, you guys take care out there, and we'll see you on the next one. Yep. Take care, guys. Peace out. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Now, I want you to go check out one of the other best podcasts around. It's called the No Focus Radio Hour. It has comedy and insight from the greatest minds in the know. And how do I know? Well, because I'm part of that great show also. So please go check it out. It's available on all your podcasting apps. The No Focus Radio Hour.